Hey, everybody, welcome to this special edition of We Gotta Talk, where the motto is Real Talk, Big Topics. Uh, Today, we're kind of focusing on travel. It's becoming a travel podcast for a day. Um, Yeah, I had to record this because Andrew and I just got back from our trip to Italy, which if you followed along on social media, you probably saw an annoyingly high amount of Instagram stories that I posted about this trip. Um, But we did a lot of fun things. And I got to more than several messages on Instagram about certain places we visited and whether or not it was worth it and what things were best to do and what two towns we visited. So I thought it would be helpful and actually just a really fun way to sort of revisit this um, amazing trip as well. So so yeah, bear with me. This is going to be long. It's not overly organized, but I will try to link in show notes some direct links to the places that we went to. So um, you can just pop in there and check out. So when they do have an Instagram account or a webpage, I'll just drop it in there. Um, but yeah, okay, we're back. We're back on American soil. Um, the TLDR version of this trip was, this was our our 10-year anniversary trip delayed, right? So like the rest of the world, we had big plans for uh, 2021 and 2020 that were obviously just put on hold by the pandemic. So, um, you know, for a long time with, the kids being still on the younger side-ish, nine, seven, and five, we were like, should we even attempt to get out of the country for that long? Is it going to be worth it? Bah, bah, bah. But we decided to do this for several reasons. And the first is, um, I've never been to Italy, and this is literally where my entire family is from. So I did one of those 23andMe tests probably two years ago at this point. Growing up, all I heard was, you know, we were in a, an Italian town, in like right outside of Pittsburgh or a small city. And all I heard was, oh, you're only Italian. Like, that's it. You got nothing else. And I was like, that can't be true. Like, there's got to be something else thrown in there for good measure. So I went and did this 23andMe test. And literally, that is all I have in my in my blood. That Well, 10% North African and um, Middle Eastern, which kind of is Italian and Roman because it was part of the Roman Empire for some time. But literally, that's all that's running through my veins. So my Italian heritage and culture, as as corny as this may come across to as some, has always been a, just a huge part of our identity as a family. And I never had the opportunity to go there for any meaningful amount of time. I did drive through it with a friend on vacation years and years ago. Um, and I have wanted to go back for so many reasons, um, and this was the perfect opportunity to do so. So Andrew had been to Rome probably 20 years ago, like when he was in college still, and he was like, you're going to love this. I'm going to plan a great time, you know, did a ton of research online about places that might be fun and blah, blah, blah. So... Um, so yeah, he puts together this whole itinerary. First things first, the the one way that the pandemic cut in our favor in regards to planning this trip is the airfare was like stupid cheap going over. We booked, you have to book, I think it's like a year, you have to use the the, the seats within the year of booking. So we, we had planned it just so the time we booked allowed us to like squeeze this in at just like an insanely discounted price. So we got the lay flat seats to fly out, which like for the price of coach, it was stupid 
how cheap they were. We're like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, we're going just for this reason. Um, so the flight we did through New York got to Rome. It was an overnight deal. I popped a melatonin. Also happened to meet on the plane, by the way, side note. Um, huge fan of the podcast, um, Taste of Taylor, Taylor Strecker, the former serious host who now has her own radio network and podcast. And um, just to go to show you what level of stalker I am, we get on our seats in Delta One and I look up. <laughs> two rows ahead of me and I'm like oh my god oh my god that's Taylor and Andrew's like what are you talking about and I was like I think the girl up there is someone whose podcast I'm like a huge fan of and that I've listened to literally for years and he's like don't do it just don't I'm like oh, I can't control myself I screamed across the seats I'm like Taylor Taylor Strecker and she, she looks back god love her with the kindest response she could muster for a person who was pretty much semi-stalking her from two seats back. We had a nice little conversation. We're pretty much best friends now, which is the long and short of it. Not really. But um, she was so gracious. I was like, this trip is off to a great start already. Like, I met a new friend, someone who I love listening to. And here's the kicker. I'm like, oh, so... I'm like literally screaming this over someone's head as as it's everybody's preparing to like take this red eye flight. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you going to Rome? And she's like, oh, I'm going for a wedding. <laughs> Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? And I'm like, no, I'm like probably like the only person in America who doesn't. She's like, oh, I'm going over for a friend's wedding. The friend, of course, turns out to be Stassi from Vanderpump Rules. And not only is she going to the wedding to attend, but she's officiating the wedding, which I had no idea about until I posted about it on social media. And everyone was like, yeah, Sunny, she's like in this like massive, you know, reality star wedding. So really cool, fun experience. Um, she was lovely and sweet. And her wife, Taylor, was lovely and sweet as well. So just kind of cool to um, to see someone that you've loved for a long time from afar in real life. Um, so, okay, here's the here's how we're going to go through this sort of, I guess, chronologically. Uh, we did two cities. We did um, Positano in Rome. And I'm just going to run you guys through what we did and what was worth our time. So starting in Positano, first of all, we landed in Rome. And I would highly recommend if you are using that as your, um, you know, your stopping point, your first landing. I know you can fly from that point out to other smaller cities, but since we were staying on the Amalfi Coast and kind of on the west coast of Italy, we decided we had to decide whether or not we wanted to fly into Rome and do our couple of days there first and then go down to the Amalfi Coast to Positano or if we should do it in reverse. We decided to land and immediately take off for Positano because um, we just realized we'd be wasting a lot of time. We'd have to get down to the coast at some point anyway and back up. And we wanted to just immediately get somewhere um, and not have to worry about picking up in two days again and driving farther. So we wanted to get that out of the way. We landed in Rome. Highly, highly recommend like a, a driving service if you can. Um, I don't know. I have never seen driving like I've seen in Italy. The highways were fine. There's no appreciable difference there. You know, they're driving on the same side of the road as us, etc. But when you get to these smaller towns, like we had we had hopes initially of renting a car in in Rome and driving down the coast ourselves because Andrew has done that before. In Ireland, we rented a car and he drove on the other side of the road, jet lagged after no sleep and a six hour flight and did just fine in the rain too and a stick shift. But this time around, it was a little bit different. And I'm going to tell you why. So 
You make your way from, you know, you're on the highway, you're going from Rome south down to Positano. Roads are fine for a while, but when you get into these small, like, mountainside cities, and there's Sorrento, Positano, I'm not going to remember all of them, but kind of all of these small towns that are dotting and lining the Amalfi Coast, the roads get so small that it is it's it is stupid. It is crazy. So everybody there is not everybody, but most people are driving these smaller cars, smart cars, Fiats. Um, I kept seeing this one called a Panda, Fiat Panda. I don't know why I thought that was really cute, really cute and funny. Um, and you need a smaller profile car because when you get to these mountain roads that are literally nestled on the cliffside, there's only one lane, or like one and a half lanes. And so when you get there in not only are you dealing with a small road to begin with, but there are all these cars parked along the shoulder of the road too, literally on the edge of the mountain, right? So it's like small railing, an entire line of parked cars, and like three quarters of a lane left. So you're on that, but presumably people are going in the other direction, right? And these cars would come in the opposite direction, and the car you're in would just, you know, you just kind of temporarily pull over to the side and let these things squeeze by. When I tell you these massive tour buses would come past our car, which was like a smaller profile van, kind of a narrower van, but still not a small vehicle. I was literally prepared to to topple off the mountainside. I don't know how they do it. Would not recommend driving. Would zero out of 10 recommend driving in Positano unless you are a natural born Italian who's dealt with this, these kinds of road situations before. These tour buses would go past us, and this is not an exaggeration. There was maybe three inches of distance between the side of the tour bus and our vehicle, and somehow they make it work. And you see a lot of like, you know, flying arms and hands and expressions and gesticulations, and but they're mainly remain pretty calm and they make this happen. And getting to our hotel was like, an incredible like sort of adventure in and of itself just seeing how differently um how differently they do things i was like oh my god like um, we couldn't even as americans we are so used to having our space our parking spots and our big suvs and our you know wide roads with shoulders sometimes even bike lanes i mean like massive amounts of space and you get somewhere like here uh, you know in in positano for example and they're all and they're making it work it's like it's like, ain't no thing. It's just squeeze around. They kind of pull over until this tour bus goes by and you just keep on going. It was, it was a sight to behold. We would look at each other and we were like, <gasps> what is happening right now? We're going to die on this road in Positano. Uh, but needless to say, we didn't. Um, okay. Hotel recommendations. I'm, I'm not a travel expert, but I will tell you um, that there was one thing I noticed about a lot of the properties in Positano that um, was a surprise to me. So when you're driving past, because this city is kind of etched into the side of a mountain, you're not driving past and seeing massive entrances or a lot of real estate in, you know, like a drive. You're not driving up to a hotel in a drive. There's literally, in the case of many of these sort of cliffside hotels, nothing but a sign indicating the hotel is there, maybe a small stand of some sort for a, a valet or concierge or some something. And then the it's like a, a winding path that immediately goes down. Um, I'm tr- I'll post pictures. Actually, you can go onto Instagram and probably see some of these too. I'm going to put together a little highlight. But um, when you're driving past all these hotels in Positano, you're not seeing the buildings because like they're actually below where you're driving or standing. So um, obviously, I only know the place we stayed at. Absolutely loved it. It was the Hotel Il San Pietro, which was kind of a little bit past downtown Positano proper. 
Um, but from what I understand, because we ran into a bunch of other American tourists there, I mean, you just really cannot go wrong with any of these rentals. But you're going to drive past these places and you're going to be like, what is like, literally, you're going to see a sign and be like, what, what? Like, this hotel can't be nice. And and you go down, you know, the little pathway or the stairs down the side of the mountain and they're like layers, kind of one on top of each other, like literally built into the mountainside. I'm probably not doing a great job describing this, but what I'm saying is you're not you're not going to be able to tell right away what it's like until you literally get out of your car, walk on and like down the mountain to where the actual hotel is. So it's kind of like divided up, right? Whereas you would see a building on regular land, how many ever stories high, these stories you kind of start at the top and you go down, right? So the rooms are there. And then on another level, there might be the pool. And on another level, um, you know, a lot of these have... Uh, gardens like their own gardens on property with with some vegetables or flowers and then on another level there's as you walk down there's more rooms and the mountainside the height of the mountain is so massive that these are like multiple multiple levels kind of like I said carved into the hillside so the curbside appeal is not there but damn when you get out of that car and start walking down onto the property it is stunning Stunning is the only way to describe it. So a lot of these just kind of overlook the water. Um, you get down to the bottom. Actually, it was really cool. At Il San Pietro, they have um, a tennis court on the ground, like the bottom, bottom level. So these pictures, again, are all on my Instagram. But um, if you go to a reel, I, I think it's called like come tour the El San Pietro property with me. You're going to see some of these shots. But basically, um, from the top, tippity top where the entrance is of the hotel, all the way down to the bottom, which is at sea level, you know, they have their sun chairs set out on the on the ocean or on the sea, as they call it. And they have this gorgeous tennis court, like on the etched into like the bottom of the mountainside. And when you're playing, you look up and it's like just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet upward of mountain just surrounding you. It's absolutely gorgeous. Cannot recommend this place enough. I um, literally broke into tears at breakfast. <laughs> This is not an exaggeration. We'll get into this later, but I, um, like all jokes aside, was not prepared for um, the emotional impact this trip would have on me. And I know some of you are going to roll your eyes, and that's fine, um, because it's like, oh, really? You were emotionally impacted by Italy, Sunny? Oh, this is very original. Um, but there really is something to coming to a place that you've been taught about, or, you know, in our case, um, our grandfather and great-grandparents speaking the language and would say certain things to you in Italian or recipes were passed down or traditions or even little things you do when you make a toast like chendan, like 100, like all these things that were so familiar to me growing up, seeing them in person from the people who originated all of these, you know, traditions and foods and this language, it was just, it was so powerful. I, I, I was literally in tears. So anyway, it's the the short version of this is another thing that just um, will surprise no one who's been to Italy, but surprised me because it was my first time was the food. You can hear everybody talk about how insane the food is in Italy. And until you get there and experience it for yourself, uh, uh, the taste of the milk and the cappuccino, I was like, oh, my God, like I, I, it was richer somehow or tastier somehow. And the cheeses, they had this um, gorgonzola, like blue cheese, soft cheese at breakfast that I would just scoop tablespoons onto my plate every day and eat with my toast. I mean, the eggs were fresh. The vegetables tasted more like the strawberry. We, we, we had these berries and they were 
just I somehow tasted more alive. Does that make sense? Um, so brought literally brought to tears by the taste of the food there. It was just insane. And somehow all of the pasta is al dente without anyone like trying. It's just, it's insane. Um, so that was our hotel. I would highly recommend it. It's it's on the pricey side. This was a celebration trip for us. So um, if it is something, you know, that you're looking to do to celebrate a big event, I can not recommend it highly enough. The, the, this is really cool. So the workout space, like I'm doing air quotes right now, um, is, this is insane. It's stationary bikes, a yoga um, mat and sort of flat wooded section for that, and a couple other simple machines set out on a fresh, on a fresh, on a, on a clean wooden plank deck covered by a canopy of lemon trees. Oh, this is a dream. Overlooking the sea. There is no monitor. We are not watching, you know, Good Morning America while we're pedaling on our stationary bike here. You are just staring out at the, it's it, it's a like a, an open air workout space where you overlook the sea. It is perfection. I could ride a stationary bike for years on end with this with this view. I mean, you're not getting it's a totally different experience, right? You're not getting the American experience of like, you know, the the giant free weight setup and the machines. I mean, it's just very simple and rustic because to be honest, who are you even if you're working out in Italy? I didn't do it, but um just a one small example of how even something as mundane as that was just so elevated because of the the environment and the atmosphere and the beauty of it all. So cannot recommend it highly enough. This is another interesting thing too. Um, if you're doing, like Andrew and I at some point would love to do a vow renewal, uh, they have a really quaint and beautiful small chapel right at the top of their property as you enter. So you pull into like a little parking area. This was one of the few spots that had a little section for parking a few vehicles because as I said before like there is no there is no parking in Positano they were our driver was like people will park here on the mountain and walk in or take a bus like a couple kilometers like there's no anyway so there's a little in Il San Pietro there's like a little parking deck and you have the stand where the valet is etc and then they have this most quaint beautiful um, small chapel there. So, you know, if you're looking to do a small wedding, highly recommend. If I could go back in time, would absolutely do the small wedding. We pondered that in concept when we were planning, but I also have a giant Italian-American family and you can't not invite every second cousin to your wedding. So we ended up doing the traditional, you know, wedding over here. But if small weddings is your thing and you want that intimate feel God, like look into there's a bunch of other places in Positano that cater to that experience, obviously, as well, and probably anywhere in Italy. But um, they do have a delightful little chapel right at the top. Um, that first night we went to dinner in Positano at this place called Les Sirenus, and it is like in the little downtown Positano area. So you take the little hotel bus and they drop you off. Um, I completely got swindled for some <laughs> original Italian ceramic and probably paid literally a 400% markup, but I don't care. They have, you know, it's, it's a little tourist trappy, some of these places, but um, the shopping is also really wonderful in a, from like a fashion perspective too. You have some of 
the bigger brands. Positano, not as much as like Rome or Capri or something. But I think there was even, I think there was a small Missoni boutique in Positano. But in addition to that, you have all of these amazing one-off shops and stores with their unique um, fashions and and like all of these things that you're only going to find there, essentially. By the way, they have some really nice linen clothing in Positano that I really wanted to get my hands on. It was a very, it was like Eileen Fisher vibes, but like elevated, if that makes sense. Like really simple cuts and fabrics, but like really well done and very like luxurious looking. I wish I would have gotten it, but I didn't. Instead, I got a giant spaghetti bowl and a big serving plate for an unspeakable amount of euros. I can't even, they said they factored shipping into it was I swindled? Most likely. I literally walked into the store and was like, boom, boom, these two. I didn't negotiate. Were you supposed to negotiate? I don't know. But I didn't even try. Andrew was just like, okay. Like he was he was like, you know that we actually paid a 4,000% markup on that, right? And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. Happy anniversary and it was worth it. So that is something worth like looking into too. A lot of these smaller shops will even ship back for you. So we're waiting on that and I can't wait to get to, to actually get my hands on it. It was this really pretty um, deep blue color, like reminiscent of the color of the of the water with these lemons painted on it too. Just gorgeous, gorgeous. Love listener news. Um, there were a couple other, like I forget what's called, Franco's maybe? There was like a vibey kind of rooftop bar scene going on there. But we love listener news, great food. They put out trays of fresh olives at every meal. And when I tell you I would consume four bowls <laughs> This is not an exaggeration of them as they were coming out, you know, with our several, um, you know, courses of food like they're insanely fresh, delicious, can't handle. It's so good. Um, Okay, so that was day one. Day two. This is so fun. So I can't wait to talk to you guys about this. When Andrew was booking this again, all credit to him. We did not go through a travel agent because he is just really good at spending the time and energy reading up online, finding things, searching for things, and kind of like going by review and by people's experiences um, and just lining up kind of what works based on that. He found this place called Fattoria La Tagliata. It's like a farm. Fattoria means farm in Italian. And okay, this is the cooking class we did. Again, this is all over Instagram. I Let me tell you this. If you go to Positano, Make this be make this be part of your trip, please. So this is an all day experience. That is one thing I will say it was not we didn't know going in. We thought that this was going to be like, oh, we're going to go in and learn to make a homemade pasta, say, and call it a day after two hours. We show up at nine o'clock. Again, same kind of concept. Drive all the way down the mountain, back up another part, uh, tiny little roads through a residential area and you get to Fattoria La Tagliata and same thing, like you just, there's unassuming kind of entrance. You walk in and as you go down like the stairs and wind around this part of the mountain, there's these gorgeous, you know, covered seating areas. And there's a, a line of vegetables here and another layer down below of all the farm animals. This massive, as it turns out, there's a restaurant, a gorgeous and apparently really highly rated restaurant too with a kitchen and a wine cellar. I mean, it's just everything. It's massive once you get down there. Um, so this is really cool. So you go in. They only take a limited amount of guests per day. I think there were like seven tables and you can do two to two to four people per table. So that day there were probably uh, 14 or 15 of us total, um, all American, which is really fun because you can, you know, I was there and I was speaking Italian as much as I could and really working on it because I, I studied for two years going up to this, which is another separate thing. But um, it was it was fun to like go and be amongst our people and just you know, just 
you know, hear where they're from and what they're doing, whatever. So you go in, you sit down, they come in, they introduce themselves, and immediately you start walking through this multi-layered garden, right? So you're picking uh, artichokes, fresh garlic, uh, cauliflower, uh, everything you can imagine. I, I can't think of it offhand, everything we got, but... um. There were probably six or seven different types of vegetables that we got. And they have you go in. It's like I say, every like sort of layer as you walk down the the parts of the property on the mountainside is might be, I don't know, like where the like I said, where the cauliflower and garlic is is one section. And you go in, wear sneakers, don't wear sandals. You are in dirt, um on you know, walking through the rows of these vegetables. They're not it, the rows aren't especially deep and long because it's like I said on the edge of the mountain and you know there's layers below it but it's not massive but it's kind of long so they have like you know each person go in one row and everybody you know grab pull out the cauliflower from the root and they show you how to pull it out they give you a knife you chop off the root you cut off the leaves you do whatever um so you spend maybe the first I'd say hour to hour and a half going through all of this there's a bunch of chickens on the property you go (laughs) they had us go in and like lift the hens gently and grab the eggs, which is Andrew got that job. We were walking and the lady was like, okay, the first person in lines gets to get the chicken eggs. And Andrew was like, the first person, he's like, this is a joke, right? Like, no, you have to go move the hen out of the way. It was a gentle process. Don't call PETA. But you get your fresh eggs. You get your fresh vegetables. You walk back through the restaurant. You hand it. This is a family-owned operation. So Papa Luigi was the patriarch of this operation. He was this... Oh my God, I, I don't even know how old. At least 85, tall guy, tons of gray hair, gray beard. And the only thing Papa Luigi would say was, oh, like no words, no language, just a lot of it, guttural expressions and hysterical. So you go through, you hand your vegetables to Papa Luigi and company in the kitchen. They clean them out. You go up and while you wait for those vegetables to be clean, because those are what you're using to cook, um, you get started on the cooking process. They ran us through... I wish I remembered all of them, and I probably could go through and kind of take a look at specifically what we did. But off the top of my head, I can remember we did. We started with the tiramisu because it needs time to, like, set. So we kind of went backwards. They line you up this big, long table. Every couple or group gets a set of colored um, cooking bowls so you know which ones are yours. They have hand mixers all plugged in, and you, like, get to work. So we did tiramisu. We did um, gnocchi, fresh gnocchi. We did... Um, you know, a mashed kind of potato meatball kind of, I wouldn't say pancake because it wasn't flat. We like rolled them. I don't know how to explain it. And I I don't know what they're called. This was not anything I've ever had before. Um, But you get the idea, like multiple, multiple courses that you're like freshly cooking. And here's the fun part. So they put on this music while you are cooking and they're out there with you and they're making it fun. And literally every maybe 15 minutes, they put on Gasolina by Daddy Yankee and they come out and pour another round of wine for you to drink. So, I mean, literally the best playlist. There was Whitney Houston happening. There was like every form of early aughts club music you could imagine. And they would come out and just keep filling our our wine glasses up. It was hysterical and fun. And seriously, if you're going to Positano, cannot recommend this highly enough. You end up, of course, making the entirety of your meal and at different points during the preparation process you're going down to or back to your table and sampling it and eating it and then coming back and cooking more and blah 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 it is long I will say that um so be prepared to if you want to do this comfortably without feeling like you have to rush out give it like a nine to five kind of deal I think we snuck out at like four something 
but we could have easily stayed another 20 minutes or half hour talking with our friends we met. And don't quote me on this, but the price, I believe, was really reasonable for an all-day experience. I want to say it was like 130 euro per person. So when you consider the sheer quantity of food that you're eating, I mean, the worth it and more. So cannot recommend that highly enough. Uh, that night, and again, I'll link that. It's called Fattoria La Tagliata. And I'll put the Instagram handle in the show notes here so you can check it out. But please do that. Please. And thank me later. And it was hysterical. But oh my God, here's another thing. So if you grew up um, Italian-American, like all of the songs, right, that your grandparents would play, like anything and all Frank Sinatra, um, Dean Martin, um, any and all of those things, plus the Ecompare. They did that one and they put us in a conga line. Papa Luigi was playing this. I don't know what it's called and someone listening probably does. Andrew called it the the two by fours. It was like these three wooden planks. And I should know this because I'm Italian American and I'm I'm sure I'm offending some people by not knowing this. But like it's this thing that stands up. Again, this is on Instagram and you and then the ones on the side, you clap together and it makes like a loud clapping sound. And so they pass out all the, they were giving us um what are those shaker things called to play? Um, not maracas, but uh, tambourines. And they had us in a in a conga line, and we were circling the table and singing and drinking. It was a delight. Please go, please go to this if you can, and tell them Sunny sent you. Um, okay, another fun thing we did. This is I would absolutely do this again um, if we went back, but this might not be something that if you don't like to be on the water, everyone wants to spend their time doing. Um, the boat charter to Capri. So the next day, that was our big event for the day. Our hotel had a boat, but there's also a ton of options for, um, you know, embarking from the port area in Positano too. So you might want to look into chartering for the day. They do giant groups of this too. So you don't have to be just you two on a boat. You can go with a group of people. Uh, We saw boats with up to like 50 people on them and down to one or two. So it's your call. Check out if your hotel has this um, accommodation too and you can rent for the day. You can rent in whatever, you know, amount of time you want to do. But the ride from Positano to Capri was probably, I mean, we, we took the scenic route, right? So you go out for the day. You're like going along the coastline and there's a ton of like, um, what are the like ancient kind, not lighthouses, but these t- these castles built into the side of the mountain um, that are thousands of years old that they're all dotting the coastline. And it was their warning system back in the day for when the island or the, the land was being approached by enemies. They would light a torch on one and it would kind of go all the way down the coastline, right? As they, the people in, you know, in manning them kind of saw. So it was their ancient security system. So you see all these as you're driving, you know, they're every how many ever feet and the rest of the towns that are built into the mountainside. They have these small islands and rock formations that are gorgeous. And I'm not going to remember the name of this, but let me see if I can look it up. Um, Rock structure in water from Positano to Capri. Let's see. Um, And you, you drive under it. Oh yeah. The far... Faraglioni, three towering rock formations which jut out from the island's coast. Okay, so this is it. You go through, I think it's like there's a little archway in one. And if you go under it, yeah, on the right. Okay, I put this on Instagram too, but it's the two rocks that jut out right next to the coastline. And you go through and you you kiss your special person as you're going through. And they say, it'll make your love last forever. So there we go. 
knock on wood for that. <laughs> it was really actually really sweet and and our our captain on the boat was just um so funny and telling us the history of everything and letting us know all of these traditions which was really special um so that was a couple hours on the way out oh if you're doing this too try to go to the blue grotto i believe it's called it's um i believe it's right on the island or right near the island of capri but it's this um cave that you take a small boat into so you disembark from your bigger boat or whatever boat you're using well like with the engine and go onto a little paddle boat and all these like Italian men in these paddle boats you know come up to you and they're like oh hop on for a minute go into the grotto it's like 10 euro 15 euro per person you hop on and you go under um this rock formation that's a cave and the really cool part about this is so you go under and it's a tunnel that gosh I mean it's it's just barely big enough for the man who's standing and paddling the boat to not like he kind of has to bend down. So it's a small kind of entryway, but you paddle in and it's this dark, really peaceful, calm kind of a grotto, right? So just a little area of water. But what's special about it is the light from the outside goes under the rock. And because the walls don't completely touch the sand on the ground, the sunlight creeps in and under and reflects from the bottom, which is white sand. And it produces this gorgeous blue neon look to the water so it's like you're riding on like it's it's magical it's absolutely stunning and gorgeous very romantic very peaceful it's like a two-minute thing I mean you go in you flap around in the water they sing all of these <laughs> opera songs like it's like it's a tourist trap right let's just call it what it is but it is it's a it's a once in a lifetime have to do so try to try to pop over and do that if you can on your way Capri itself okay I will say this. I I have friends who have gone to Italy and say that this is their favorite part of visiting that area. I liked it. It reminded me personally of a gorgeous Italian Beverly Hills. I mean, it is, um, I mean, in addition to being a really gorgeous, small Italian town, I mean, there are people who live there and you see like the homes and the businesses, obviously, like amongst all of the tourist trappy stuff. So you get the vibe that you get that sort of personal vibe, too. But it is, um, I, this is where all the luxury boutiques are. I was, I joked on Instagram, I was pretty much shamed out of the Chanel store. They were like, this lady's poor, I can tell, go. I mean, they were, they were pulling no punches. The expressions said it all. They were like, mm, you can come in. Like, they wouldn't let you in at first. And then they look you up and down and they see what you're wearing and what you're carrying. And they're like, you can come in. And literally, the eyes did not come off us the whole time. I was like, listen, I did not come to Italy <laughs> to steal Chanel. I can tell you this much. Um, but that's that's the vibe. That could be just me. If you're super rich, they'll probably treat you different. So there's the upside. Um, but it was really cool to walk through and see. And what was interesting to me to note during this trip too is just, I mean, the types and number of different people that were there shopping. I mean, you hear every language walking down the street and you see every different looking type of person. It was just really amazing to see. Um, you know, this place drawn people literally from all around the world. So if you're into luxury shopping, great. They have a lot of really nice perfumeries too. Um, ones that you will know and ones that are specific to um, Italy as well. I will look up the one that we that we popped into, but it was specific to Italy and I can't remember. But anyhow, um, you'll see it walking through. We had a nice, a little quick lunch there. Nothing major. Um, 
try to do they have these um semi-convertible little taxis that'll drive you from the port of capri which is you know where you dock your boat and hop off all the way up and the their their taxis are like these cool convertibles with like this uh awning kind of cover to protect you from the heat but it's really cool to ride up and down the mountain in those and um, i can't recommend it highly enough we we walked up and down these residential um streets in capri too and i will say god you're in these places and you're like I cannot believe people live like this every day. Like this is their every day waking up. Again, the vistas and the views, stunning because you're on a mountain overlooking the sea, just like you are in the rest of the coast. And these the villas that are old, but really well preserved and maintained and these gorgeous gardens and, you know, walkways and cobblestone pathways. It's just like, oh my God, I, I cannot believe that this is some people's every day. It's insane and amazing. Uh, we went to Cafe Aurora to eat in in Capri, which was great. They have um, the food was was good. We ate right outside on the walkway, um, but they have all these pictures up of like the celebrities that have visited. So it's worth popping over to check out, like you know Beyonce and Jay Z and I mean just everyone you can imagine. Rod Stewart. I mean, you can see all of the pictures. It's kind of fun. They post these like. Um, big celebrity kind of a gallery both outside and inside so you can't miss it if you're walking down one of the main ways just ask for Cafe Aurora Uh, the food was great the pizza was amazing chef's kiss Um, so yeah that was that day the boat tour uh, amazing I mean again would we do it if we went back I don't know I will say this too for the whole Positano experience while absolutely incredible and perfect for a romantic or couples or even like a you know, if if you got the time and budget, a girl's trip kind of like great for adults. I don't know that I would personally bring my kids there. I was just there's like a sheer cliff face at every turn. Um, and the amount of stairs that you have to go up and down on some of these properties, it would be a lot for little legs to walk. You do see some strollers. But what was interesting is that I noticed not only on our property at Il San Pietro and in Positano in general, but also in Capri, I saw a lot of babies who were being pushed in strollers or kind of here and there a couple. But you don't, I did not see a lot of kids just like from, I don't know, age three to let's say 12. Like I just didn't, I don't know why. Um, I'm certain, you know, with the exception of, of course, we were in Capri, we saw this this wedding happening and there was some school kids standing on the on the stairs throwing rice at the couple, which is like an Italian tradition and really kind of cool and special to see. But aside from the natives, I did not see a lot of young kids because of the terrain there. So that is something that if we ever choose to bring the kids back to Italy, just worth noting. We personally probably wouldn't take them until they're older to places on the coast. It just seemed like either an accident waiting to happen or like a lot of whining because they're tired. And some of these stairs too, because they're carved into stone, are uneven and it's a little tricky and I slipped on one. It was fucking terrifying so we're, we wouldn't be bringing the kids back there personally but hey you do you um okay what else was good to cover in let's see did it in positano um that's it go go down to um the the little town proper as well in addition to checking out the shops and the restaurants that was where i was saying lace news and some of those other places were um they have and we did not get a chance to do this a guided tour of like a buried city apparently um positano among other towns in italy was completely covered with the eruption of mount something or other i'm gonna look this up because i saw was it mount vesuvius um which 
by the way, is all the way near Naples, but was so powerful that when it um, erupted, covered like hundreds of miles worth of territory. Anyway, there's a buried city in Positano or like part of one. So apparently that's a really good fun thing to do as well. I do kind of hate that we didn't get a chance to do that, but we really packed our days tightly. Got back from the boat tour. We were kind of just exhausted. Ate some fresh olives by the sea. <laughs> very bouche. Very bougie. Very fun. Watched a little um, tennis action on the courts and kind of called it a night. But very cannot cannot recommend Il San Pietro enough. So check that out. Um, all right, let's move on to Rome. So we drove back up. I guess we only had two full days, two and a half days, really, um, in Positano now that I think about it. But anyhow, got to Rome. Um, we stayed at the Hotel de Russi, which was amazing and gorgeous and right in within sort of um, the city boundaries. Um, oh, my God, I can't even begin to explain the level of uh, awe and sort of um, wonder that I experienced being in the city of Rome. Again, this is all a first for me. Um, but there is history at every turn in that city. And not like history in America where we're like, oh, you know, our country was founded back in 1776. Like, no, this is like thousands and thousands of years in BC type of shit. Uh, the, okay, well, I just have to start at the beginning because I could just go on and on about this. State at the Hotel de Russi, love it. Great courtyard. Don't try to get in if you're not staying there because this the guy manning the table at the um, garden kind of like um, central area like the green space where the where the restaurant and the more casual dining place was, was not letting in people who weren't staying in the hotel and was vicious about it. So I don't know if that's always the case. It might be only during tourist season, but um, we saw many people who did not, who were not staying there get turned down because just the sheer volume of people, I guess, during tourist season there is high. But if you're staying there, go down, have some, they had this bomboletti pasta. It was like a, kind of like a short rigatoni, it was, was, I don't even, I don't know what kind of magic they do to pasta there, but was eating full bowls of it for lunch. <laughs> like just a regular, what should be kind of like quick meal was like fully immersed in carbs. It's amazing. The food is great there. Um, we did as our first event in Rome, the Vatican tour. Okay. I have lots of things to say about this. This episode is really long, so maybe we'll chop this into two. Um, okay. Okay. <sighs> I am born and raised Catholic. Um, my kids are born and raised Catholic. We are going through the whole thing. Um, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time where we've covered a number of spiritual topics, you've probably heard me talk before about the conflicted feelings I have toward my own religion. And not necessarily in a bad way, but I think in a really important and sort of questioning way that we all have to approach things that relate directly to our spiritual health. Um so as a Catholic, it was important to see this and for me to understand some of the things that I had read about and see the sort of system at work, if you will. But I'm going to say this right off the top, and I know there are, people, there are people who will judge me for this, and that's fine. The energy in the Vatican was very strange to me. Um, not to get woo-woo. Uh, you are in, so the Vatican itself is its own country, which I did not realize. They're a sovereign 
I, I don't know that you would call them a nation, but they're a sovereign principality, let's say. They have their own police and security and, and you whatever, you know, public works, I guess, for lack of a better term. They are fully functional, independent sovereignty within the city of Rome, right? So whatever goes, it goes, according, it's, if it's according to their rules. Um, I believe our tour guide said there's only about 900 full-time residents of the Vatican. A lot of them are clergy, of course, and then what I'm just generally calling like support staff or people that kind of keep the wheels turning. So we go into the Vatican Museum. You walk into, you know, St. Peter's Square, and there's, of course, this, this um, well, first of all, there's this giant obelisk in the middle, and you hear all about uh, the Romans' obsession with the obelisks, which came from Egypt. They they pillaged Egypt. It was a principality of Rome, ancient Rome, for a time. And so all these things that were carried overseas and over land to be in the Vatican and in other parts of Rome as well. Uh, it's it's gorgeous. And of course, it's the scope of it is just massive and open and wide. And you have St. Peter's Basilica on one end. And you have the Vatican Museum kind of surrounding other parts of the square so here's what you need to know first about the vatican tour be be prepared because this shit is long like legally long 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 four hours plus long and we cut out early i was like i can't do it anymore i cannot it is long because there is so much to get through if you want the full or kind of approaching full experience. So what we did was we started, we got um, a tour guide. Again, Andrew found someone independently through a company and I'll, I'll see if he still has the link to um, her information. She was wonderful. Um, that started us, who started us kind of through the Vatican Museum, which is, I mean, think about it like a Smithsonian on, on steroids, like um, massive in scale. You could walk through, and our tourist um, or our tour guide sort of confirmed this, you could walk through the halls of the Vatican Museum, which are built around the grounds and the gardens of the Vatican. So it's not one building per se. It's like a lot of different kind of structures placed around it for literal days and not get through the entire thing. We are talking long, long, half mile long hallway. I don't know if it's that long, but it's long hallways with filled with thousands of statues and busts. And uh, there's a whole section um, as you approach the Sistine Chapel that is the geography of Italy painted back. I think this was in the, I don't know, I want to say 1500s maybe. But one of the popes sort of um, oversaw the geographic um, mapping, like the mapping of the entire country of Italy done on giant wall-sized paintings as you approach the Sistine, I mean, like any type of artwork you can imagine, paintings, mosaics, statues, busts, animals, people, um, objects. They have this, you know, courtyard in the middle with this giant golden sphere that mimics the sphere on the basilica. Like it, it, it would be an art lover's and an art expert's dream to go through. Um, I'm trying to think what we started with, but I don't know. They walk you through all of it. it it's worth doing. We did kind of the shortened version, which just shocks me that this was the shortened version because we really spent a lot of time. Um, but all of these like sort of smaller museum buildings, um, for us, we kind of walked through them and then led up to and through the Sistine Chapel, which um, we kind of, because of the way the tours go and because people tend to kind of clog up that area, I would suggest if you have any interest in looking at that in greater detail and trying to take in the frescoes and the paintings and the details on some of the paintings there, to look at um, 
there's like a green courtyard area where that gold sphere is. They have this like um, s- these signs that show in detail the paintings on the Sistine Chapel because when you get there, it's so busy and it's so crowded that it's almost impossible to like get a good, I don't know, quiet look at this stuff without being surrounded by people. You cannot take pictures in the Sistine Chapel. So if you go in there, like they were literally like slapping cameras on people's hands, metaphorically, right? Not like, they're like, no, sir, no, no, no. I mean, you cannot. In fact, I think when we were there, who was it filming the Fast and the Furious 10? Uh, got into trouble for, um, hold on, let me see if I can look it up. Might have been it might have been Vin Diesel getting in trouble. No, no, no. Jason Momoa had to apologize for taking photos in the Sistine Chapel. So if Jason Momoa can't get away with it, you can't either. Don't do it. Don't try those fuck those guard are everywhere too. Like, do the Swiss guard smile? Like, are they a sad? I very strange vibes. Um, it's like someone is always watching. I'm sure they are. Um, tons of security. I, I have to say this unpopular opinion of of the podcast maybe of the year I was not overwhelmed by the Sistine Chapel I may go to hell immediately for saying this um it's like a rectangular shaped deal you who have been there will know this already and this I it I, I don't know it was impressive and when you know the history and story behind it and the you know you can see some of these paintings up close and understand like the meaning and significance behind them yes it's cool I don't I, I don't know though I was like uh this is great. This is a bucket list moment, but like was not as taken by the sheer beauty of it or the visual uh, appeal of it as I was, for example, by these gorgeous mosaics that were, um, you know, even even in the, the tile work on the floor we were walking on or they had this area where there's they had these tapestries hanging on the wall. Oh, my God, guys, if you could see these in person, like woven with with the finest silk threads and these they are giant 50 feet long by 30 feet, like insanely large that took years. I think she said one of them took like 20 years to make. I mean, that was impressive to me. Um, These giant sarcophagi, um, you know, holding the remains of of Constantine's mother and wife carved out of this like purple marble. Like that was really cool and impressive to see. Um, But I got in there. I was like, is this it? Where's the hidden camera? Uh, It was cool. It's great. Um, And... I will just quickly touch on this because this is probably boring people who have already done this. One thing that I really, I'm not just saying like I wasn't impressed by everything because it was it was all very, I'm going to straight to hell for all of this <laughs> shit talking on my, on my religion and faith here. But basically, um, some of the stuff not as impressive as I thought, but just getting into St. Peter's was a total worth it moment. The scale of that place in that building and the like artifacts and and artwork and gorgeous everything that's literally tucked into every corner there's precious artwork and gorgeous things everywhere was really 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 cool um anyway you're gonna go if you're going to Rome I mean who doesn't do the Vatican tour do it pop into St. Peter's and just walk walk the length of it like I wanted to kind of walk straight. It probably would have taken me, I don't know, three or four minutes straight just to get from the front to the back. I mean, it's a giant, massive, like can fit homes, small homes inside it. Massive, massive. I just was shocked at the sheer scale of it. Um, That was fun, but be prepared for a long time. And I don't know, like I said earlier, uh, I can appreciate it for the artistic value and certainly for the elements of faith that are there. Like, you know, Veronica's Veil is in St. Peter's, allegedly, and St. Peter's remains himself or like 
um, allegedly entombed in, in, in this kind of, uh, like lowered area under the altar like the historical value is breathtaking and important but I personally feel like a really conflicted energy there like all of the I was talking about this to Andrew um to to consider the amount of both good and evil that has come out of that the edicts and orders that were sent out from there that did both a lot of a lot of bad also in some cases a lot of good was very powerful to me to consider that this was the seat of power of a very very complicated um complicated religion right um this could be a whole separate podcast but um you know for anyone who's been born and raised catholic and has lived through some of the many scandals and issues that the church has has been part of i i feel like you can probably relate to that it was interesting and powerful in that way to be in a place that was the seat of the power of a lot of people for a long time who did, like I said, both good and not so good. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Okay, this is another thing to do as well, if you can. Bike tour. We did a bike tour of Rome the next morning um, with Danilo, who was wonderful. He lived like Oh, I don't know, like a half mile from where our hotel was. And we woke up at 6.30. I was so angry. So fuck. I was pissed off at Andrew that morning. I was like, oh, I can't handle it anymore. You have booked every hour of this trip. I need a fresh jar of olives and to sit and just watch Italian people on the street for like two hours. And you're like pushing me. But I will say at the end of the day, this was massively worth it. So we got up at 6. It was supposed to start at 6.30, but because May in Rome is actually much chillier in the mornings than I anticipated, I had to go up and change again because it was freezing. Um, An early city bike tour of Rome, amazing. Downsides, a lot of cobblestone. (laughs) My neck was really screwed up afterwards. Um, But upside is you get through the city so quickly and you can see all of these amazing things while the city is more or less still not asleep, but slow. So um, Trevi Fountain, we did the Spanish Steps. We went to Overlook Palatine Hill, which what our, our tour guide said was, um, you know, like they call it the, the nucleus of the city of Rome, like kind of where it all started, where Romulus and Remus, like the founders, I mean, I'm using air quotes, but like, you know, the first citizens of Rome allegedly were when the city started. So you can see the ruins of like BC era things. Um, the scale of these structures that these people were able to build without modern technology is jaw dropping. You can look at it in a book and all of us have growing up and you can appreciate a little bit by reading the technicalities of, you know, the height of this stuff and the weight of it and what, but to see it in person and our tour guide was like, yeah, they haven't even been able to replicate in modern times what what system or methodology they use to get this stuff up. It is breathtaking. So that was so cool. What else did we go past? Um, ancient ruins, like I said, Spanish steps, Trevi Fountain. Anyway, it, very worth it if you can do it. Um, a fairly low cost ordeal too. I mean, if you go online and through some of these tourist groups and just search some of these things, it's so... It, this is the stuff that I would do again, because you're getting not only the views and the vistas and the history of it, but you're getting, you know, a native Romans personal, you know, experience and stories, too. It's really, really cool. Um, and then that night we did the Italian Open and we saw a little bit of tennis, but I was, to be honest, like really tired. by then. So we just kind of like looked and took it in for a while and we're like, yeah, we got to go. Got a burger, too, by the way, at the Italian Open. Would not recommend American food in Italy, which is probably what Italians say when they come here. Would not recommend Italian food in America. Um, 
Okay, guys, this episode is getting so long, but um, I wanted to get on tape and um, in show notes just some of the things that we found to be just that make that experience just really incredible and really gave us a taste, we thought, of uh, what Italy is. So I cannot recommend it highly enough. I am forever changed. I know that sounds goofy and stupid. And like I said, um, everybody who's gone to Italy, God, I mean, eat, pray, love. Like I'm being total generic white woman saying this. Um, but truly for someone of that background and culture who's identified um, so much of my life with that, knowing the language, even on a rudimentary level and being able to speak with people and getting back to your roots is a really powerful thing. And um, if you've had the opportunity to do that, no matter where you're from or where your family calls home, it's probably like uh, worth worth your time and energy to try and make it happen. I um, I said this on Instagram when I came back, but it was a it was much more emotional of an experience and made me feel connected to um, my family in a way that I just I wasn't able to before, like literally seeing where they came from. So anyhow, I'll plan on putting up a, a blog post as well with some direct links. But if you guys have any questions about anything we did or want to just hear more about it, please just DM me on Instagram. I'm at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. And uh, yeah, hit me up. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, we will chat soon. Lots of good stuff. We're going to go into a little bit of um, a hiatus for the live shows for We Gotta Talk during the summer, but I'm going to be popping in almost every week with with actual, you know, podcast interviews and content. So stay tuned. Have a wonderful day. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Ore, that's the water.